and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of change makers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of the people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind the scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. So good afternoon and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspiring stories that inspire you to create your life. Today, I have with me Shalise Lawrence. She is one of the founders of the Tope Project. The Tope Project is a volunteer-run, youth-led project which aims to combat loneliness for young carers throughout the year. Hello, Shalise. Hello. Hi, darling. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm really good. I'm really looking forward to this interview because we've had a quick chat beforehand. And oh my goodness, there's so, so many inspiring things that we're going to share with people. <laughs> so um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about you and what's going on in your life at the moment. So yes, just on Saturday, which was a few days ago, I graduated university, which was a massive achievement for me. I was really, really, really excited. And yeah, so at the moment, I'm just doing the TOEFL project and looking for work but I'm also doing other stuff on the side so I do have a few jobs that I'm doing with a private fostering agency and some other companies as well which is awesome so I get to do freelance work so at least I'm you know making some money still yeah life is amazing for me right now I think 2016 has been one of probably one of the greatest years of my life definitely so fantastic and why was graduating university such an amazing achievement for you because for me, I've had uh, the most craziest experience with education. <laughs> um, I went to university when I was 18 years old. I struggled so much when I was at university when I was 18. I had a lot going on just in my life in general. And I think because I moved away as well from my family and stuff, I think I didn't have the support that I needed. And so I used up, you know, my three years of student finance, which and then failed, <laughs> which meant that, you know, I didn't have a degree at the end of it. And so it was kind of an impossible task to actually go back to university. Sorry, just to set the scene for people. So your kind of background, it wasn't usual for people because like you, you said to me that you grew up in care. How many people in care usually go to university? I wouldn't imagine that's a very high percentage. The percentage is extremely low. Uh, I think the percentage is something like six or seven percent at the moment, which is really appalling. And the, the national average is so high in comparison to children in care going to university and the expectation for children in care to go to university the government thinks that 20 percent is good enough for that to be their goal and i think that's appalling because actually university is a massive achievement for any young person do you know what i mean so i think when you've been in the care system you kind of automatically have this title that you're not going to go to university, you're not going to really do well in life, you're going to probably end up in prison because that's the highest percentage of young people who are um, in prison from care background, which is really, really sad. So yeah, so you're more likely to actually go to prison than to graduate university when you've been in care. 
But that's why it's such a massive achievement for someone who's, you know, had experience of care to actually finish university, graduate and graduate after trying once and failing. And what was it that in you made you want, like, what was it about it that made you want to go to university? Did you know, always know you wanted to go? When I was young, actually, I wanted to be a lawyer, which was really strange. And then I got to like 15 or something and then I was like, mm, do I want to be a lawyer? No, I want to do something else. So yeah, I always wanted to go to university. When I went when I was 18, I know I wasn't ready to go to university at that time. I think I was too young to actually go to university and move out all at the same time. I did always want to go to university. I just wasn't sure of the path that I wanted to take until a while ago. So it just cool. Fantastic. And so you shared with me before this this crazy kind of story that happened around the university. And so you mentioned before that you kind of run out of money for funding. Is that right? Yeah. So um, in obviously over here in the UK, you can get student finance to fund you for three years of university. So when I went to university when I was 18, I did my first year. So that's one year of funding. And then I done my second year twice, which is the full three years of funding but I failed um, my second year the both times which meant I got kicked out of university obviously and I couldn't basically get any student finance so any funding for this for my studies or for maintenance basically so when I decided to go back to university in, in 2013 I already knew that it wasn't going to be an easy task because you know I had no funding to get so I applied for student finance and I got a letter back saying no we're not going to give you no money for your tuition fee and we're not going to give you no money for maintenance and so for me I was like oh my gosh what am I going to do but one thing that I did know is that I was going to get a degree no matter what I didn't know how I was going to do it I didn't know what steps I was going to take but all I knew is I was going to have a degree so you just what had this innate knowing that that was it was just like for me I feel like at that point it was something that I really really wanted to have not for other people, just for myself. I felt like that was something that was missing from me, from my achievements, really. And so I just decided that it's something that I want. So it's something that I'm going to have. I didn't know how I was going to get it. I didn't know what journey I was going to go on, but I just knew that I was going to get it. And that was the most important thing for me. Fantastic. So where you got it? So I got it. And so basically what happened was, so the first year of university, for the whole first year, I literally had no funding. So I went through the first year, I did all my exams, I did all my assignments, did every single thing that I was supposed to do without knowing whether I was going to have funding or not. So in the beginning, when I got told no, I wasn't going to get student finance, I went to my local authority to ask for help. And and the woman who was like the boss, I don't know, like her actual title, but she was like, you know, the highest. I had a meeting with her and she basically said to me, you're setting yourself up to fail. You should drop out of university and go and sign on. Go and sign on. That's a good role model. Exactly. Devastate. I actually cried that day. I mean, like I cried tears and I was like, I can't believe that. I'm not asking for the world. I was literally just asking for a bit of support until I could get student finance sorted out. Um, and I was told that I'm going to fail, basically. And so that, for me, I think, gave me a lot more determination as well to make sure that I went through it and made sure I got my degree. Um, so after being told that, I then decided all right what can I do so I went to job center to them if they could give me any support financially in terms of you know food or anything like that because obviously at this point I've literally got no money I was getting red letters from from my house and association saying we're going to kick you out of your house because you haven't paid your rent for like at this point in like three months or four months I hadn't paid no rent or anything so they were saying they're going to chuck me out obviously I had no food in my house I had no gas I literally had nothing and I only had a bit of support from a few people who were in my life at the time. So some people would come, you know, lend me some money and stuff, which was awesome, which was amazing. 
But obviously it was still a massive struggle because I couldn't pay my rent. Um, so I went to my local counsellor and I said to her, look, this is a situation. I have no money. Can you get, you know, social services to help me? She tried and they said no again. And so she couldn't help. And what was going through your head at this point? At this point, I was ready to give up. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, oh, this is so hard. Why do I always have to fight for everything that I want? Like, I just thought it would be, you know, easy. Like, people would understand that. I know that I went to uni. I went to uni before. I struggled and I never got the support that I needed. And now, you know, I need support. Can you guys help me? And just no one was willing to help. And it was, I cried a few times. I'm not going to lie. I really did. I cried a few times. At that point, I was ready to give up. I went to housing as well and I was explaining to them my situation. I said, look, I, you know, I showed them the letter from student finance saying that I'm not getting any money. Could they pay some of my rent until I got it sorted out? And they said to me, no, I'm a student. And I was like, yeah, but technically, even though I'm a student, I'm not getting any money. So actually, the point is, you guys are supposed to help because someone's not getting any money. And they refused point blank to help me. So I was like, all my days, what am I going to do? So then at this point, I was like, okay, let me go to my university. Because obviously every university has funding there somewhere, some scholarships and stuff like that and emergency funding. So I went to the university, you know, I met with the dean of the university, met with some of one of the hubs, you know, sat down with them, explained my story. And they basically said, we can't help you (laughs) (laughs) because all the finance that they have or they get will go to people who are actually receiving student finance at the time. So they couldn't help me either. So I was like, oh my days, how can no one be able to help me with anything? It was absolutely crazy. And then, and then actually there was a company called Capstone who helped care leavers with uh, funding. I sent them an email and they emailed me back basically saying, we'll give you three grand towards your tuition fees okay. if you could find another six grand. And then I was like, where am I going to find another six grand from to pay my tuition fees? So as much as it was amazing, it was very nice. Um, there was no way that I was going to be able to find six grand um, for my tuition fee. So that was kind of something else that was dead in the water kind of thing. And then miraculously at the end of university, so I literally went through the first year. Done the whole year without any funding? Yeah, the whole year. Um, and my university kept on <laughs> blocking my university card as well. So there was times when I couldn't actually go in to university because, you know, I couldn't swipe my card so they wouldn't let me in. I couldn't use the library or anything like that, which was insane because obviously they're saying we want we want our money so I went through the whole first year did all my exams did all my assignments everything and at this point I had no idea that I was gonna have any funding I was like I don't care I'm doing it and I did it and about a week later miraculously I got a phone call from the Care Leagues Foundation saying that they have a minister's meeting that they're going to be going to the children's minister and I can't, there was like 12 ministers there basically it was the first ever meeting they was going to have ministers which was awesome and it was the first time any public could have been allowed in that kind of arena. And so it was myself and two other young people. And we went there to go into our stories about, you know, our experiences of being in care and stuff like that. And the chair happened to be my MP, <laughs> which was Ian Duncan Smith, who I was trying to get hold of that whole year. I'm trying to get hold of him so that I could see if I can get his support to help me. So, yeah, so I went to the meeting. And I met him and he was like, oh, I'm of, you know, your local MP. And I said, I know, I've been trying to get hold of you for ages. Like, can you help me? And then two weeks later, I went and met him. And within two weeks, literally everything was sorted out. I had student finance. They supported me for the whole three years financially, which was amazing. Wow. Such an amazing thing. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It, was a, it literally was the universe making that happen for me because there was no other way that that was actually going to happen. So, And what do you put that down to? Like... 
So me, the universe, when you want something and you decide that's what you're going to have, you don't really need to know how you're going to get it. You don't need to know that. You just need to know that you want it. When you want something in your heart, like it's, because I think a lot of people decide in life, oh, I want this, but they don't really want it. They just say, oh, I want this. And so then they don't take the actions to go and make that happen. And so they just sit there and say, oh, I want this. I want this. I want this. But realistically, when you want something, you don't care how you get it legally, of course. <laughs> but you don't care how you get it. But you know that you're going to make sure you get it and you do everything in your power to make that happen. And you go through every door and every door that's shut, you're going to go through another one. And then that, that door gets shut and you go through another one. And when you do that, the universe then puts everything in place to make that happen for you. And I genuinely believe that because I am a testament to that. Well, you would never have seen that coming, would you? Like the way that all lined up was just exactly. bonkers in a really fantastic way. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I'm totally for, you know, once we commit and decide what it is we want in life and um, we take action, I think that's really important to take steps. So I think, you know, the universe tested you there, didn't it? Because it kind of slapped you in the face quite a few times. Yeah, definitely. And you didn't give up. I didn't know. I was determined. I was, and I think in my heart, I just knew I was like, no matter what, I know the universe has got me. Even though it's going to test me, I know that the universe is lining up everything that I need. And there's always going to be obstacles in a way, but those obstacles are definitely there to test you. You know, once you get over that test, you're flying. And that's it. It's just, it'll just flow from there for you. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head because most people don't actually know what they want. So that's yeah. like a crucial step, isn't it? Because we have to become aware of what it is that we're working for and towards because then the universe can support us. Like, exactly. yeah, I think the universe always has your back, but we just have to decide what it is we want it to support us in. Exactly, exactly. I think when you don't know what you want, you just think you know what you want. But when you're sure what you want, the universe will always line it up for you and make it happen to you. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, well done. It's fantastic. That you're like, you must be um, over the moon about graduating because that is a really massive achievement. Yeah, no, I'm proper. I was proper excited when I went to my graduation. I was like, woo. Yeah. yeah, I'm very, very proud and I'm really happy. So that was a definitely a massive step in my life for me. So. Well, and now you know what you know, as in you've got working like examples of the law of attraction stuff. Like then it gets fun because you can actually play with it and work it all out. And you know, so who knows what will be next? Exactly. I know that world domination is next. <laughs> if Donald Trump can be the president, I can be the president. Well, okay. that's a very good point. Yeah. oh well the reason I wanted to leave to come on this show was I was just really empowered and inspired by the project that you guys have set up so there's 10 of you is that right who are the founders of the Tote project yeah yeah and I'd love for you to share um, with our listeners more about that because obviously for me what you're about to tell them is testament to what we're talking about here like you know the universe sometimes puts us through bad things sometimes puts us through good things but when sometimes it's a bad thing actually we can use that even though it's what's perceived to be a bad situation out of it can come good stuff mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit more about the tote project just so people understand what it is yeah, so do you want me to tell you the story behind it first or what it is and then the story after? Well, maybe tell us what it is first and then how that story came about. Okay. All right, so the Topa Project is a project that we set up for care leavers, so from the age of 18 and above, who have no family to go to for Christmas, basically. So if they live in semi-independence more, they just, you know, live by themselves. We give young people who are care leavers a Christmas and it's all volunteer-led, so every single person who works on the project is a volunteer, including myself. 
I'm a volunteer as well. All the founders, all volunteers, we work tirelessly every year to make sure that young people have an amazing Christmas day. So we have games and we have TV and we party and we eat lots of food and we give presents and stuff like that. But I think for me, the most important part about that is giving young people opportunities as well. So we partner up with lots of different companies as well who on the day give opportunity to young people. So sometimes it could be going there to have a bit of work experience or like one year running international came down and they gave young people opportunities to go on one of their projects, but they would give them the funding rather than having make them raise it for themselves. Right. Um, also, they give like work opportunities. This year we've had John Lewis give opportunities in terms of getting them suits for job interviews, oh, giving right. them interview coaching really. And yeah, anything that is kind of helpful for young people who need to go into work. Some people come and give opportunities in terms of I think one year Arsenal gave opportunities for young people to come and sit on like one of their coaching programs and stuff like that. So um, I think those things are really pivotal to the Tokyo project in terms of what we're trying to do. So even though, you know, Christmas is an amazing day, it's fun, we get to have a good time. But actually through the rest of the year, young people don't have support, you see what I mean? And so I think having opportunities there for them to get involved in and get support. Lorraine Pascal is one of our massive supporters and she, you know, really really wants um to like kind of get a group together that we meet every few months and stuff like that just to sit down and just have that kind of family feel to it and support each other and help each other push each other to you know get go forward in life and stuff and for me that's the main focus of the project christmas day is an amazing part of that the main part of it is making sure that young people who don't have the support get the support that they need and they also have kind of a family feel because that's something that i think i got to have when i joined my children's rights service um, which I spoke about in a bit. Um, but all the people that were there, all the young people that was part of that service became my family. And so all of them was at my graduation and they became part of my family. And to me, I think that they have been my biggest supporters. And without them, I could have been on a completely different path in my life. And so I'm really, really, really pushing to make sure that the Tokyo Projects can create something like that so that we can make sure that all young people have the support that we had when we was growing up and leaving care because it's really important it's really massive part of your life that is yeah and that's not normal is it for kids that grow up in care you know they're in care for a specific reason generally aren't they so and so am I correct in thinking the tote projects in its kind of fifth year had seven different events as such yeah yeah and can you tell me like obviously because I know you were there right at the beginning of it being started and can you tell me the story and the circumstances around that yeah so in 2010 Actually, actually, let me start from, so in uh, Wolfham Forest, actually, we had a children's rights service. Um, and the service was for children in care and care leavers just to support them in participation and just getting together to kind of support young people in who's been in the care system and just, you know, shaping their lives and helping them grow and all that kind of stuff. So giving them training and all that stuff. And so I joined the service when I was 16. I grew so much. I literally, I was so quiet back then and now you can't get me to shut up. Um, <laughs> So, which is cool. I joined the service and when I got there, literally everyone just welcomed me like I was family and it was just the most beautiful thing ever. Um, and Topi, he was a year older than me. He also was a part of the service. And so we all kind of like, you know, grew up together, helping each other, supporting each other um, on our adventures that we was going on and stuff. And so in 2010, sadly, Topi committed suicide. He was going through a lot of stuff that a lot of us didn't know. And I don't know, we felt like we missed it and we didn't really know how we missed, you know, what he was going through because he came to us the day before 
he did it. And he basically said bye to us, which was really like strange. We actually have a video as well of, you know, that day and stuff. And when we sit down and look back at it, we're like, rah, like we should have kind of seen the signs. But I think for all of us, it's not something that we've experienced. Like mm. when you've grown up in the kind of areas that all of us have grown up in, we experience death quite a bit. But it's usually because, you know, someone's been stabbed or someone's been shot or something like that. So that kind of was a normal life for us. But suicide wasn't something that any of us had experienced before and it hadn't been so close to home. So I think for all of us, it was literally breaking point in terms of I saw people cry who I I had never seen cry in my life I saw them you know struggling with like trying to cope with actually what was going on and so for me I think it inspired me in terms of at the time I was 22 years old and I knew that it was very very hard and difficult for me but there was a lot of them that was like 16 15 14 at the time and so I thought and they were really close with Toby some of them he brought to the project um, himself so for them, it was a massive, massive, massive loss. And so I was like, how can I support them and help myself? Because at the time, I was literally devastated to the point that I remember, I think it was like the second night after finding out what happened um, and I hadn't slept or anything. And I was in my house and I was just thinking and I was like, I was in so much pain. And I just thought, now I understand why he did it. Because that's where I, I was at that time. Not that I was going to actually do anything, but the pain that I was feeling was so deep that I was like, if this is how he felt, then I understand why. Because actually, the pain was a lot of pain. And so... And what was going on for him? Like, obviously, it sounds like it was a real shock. But do you know what was going on for him? What made him do that? I think it was a combination of things. Because he's like, in terms of his actual life, it was going really well. He had just got the car that he wanted. He had literally just got his flat as well. And he'd done up his flat. It looked beautiful. He got the job that he wanted to have. In terms of his life, it was going well. But I think... Because his situation in terms of like he, he lost his mum when he was quite young and going into the care and all his family life for him, I think, was a massive problem. And so, yeah, and so even though on the outside it looked like everything was okay, inside it wasn't. And I think when you're a guy, it's a lot harder to express your emotions because everyone thinks you should man up and all that kind of stuff. And you know what society is like. So men don't really talk about that kind of stuff when they're, you know, feeling pain and they're hurting. And so I think he hid a lot of that from us. Right. So even though he was around all the time, like he was always smiling all the time because we were smiling and laughing and playing around. He never really shared the demons that he had. He never really sat down and shared that with us. And I think for me, at that point when he committed suicide, that's when all of us, he was just like checking on everyone all the time. He was like, it's okay not to be okay. Just let it out, wherever it is that you feel. Just tell us because actually we don't want this to happen ever again. Wow. Yeah. So and then that year, um, 2010, so he committed suicide. It was like just at the end of August. In December, the younger ones I said to them, I think they were about 14, 15 years old. But I said to them, you know, a few of them were in semi-independence at the time. And I said, oh, what are you guys going to do for Christmas? And they were like, oh, we don't know nothing really. So I was like, all right, let's all do Christmas together. And at the time I was working for Bernardo's. And so technically I wasn't actually allowed to have them in my house. But right. I was like, I don't care. Like these guys are my family to me. So if you want to fire me, then that's okay. You can do that. But I'm going to support them as much as I can. Because actually we've just been through the craziest time of our life. It's only been what, a few months. I'm not going to just leave them out in the cold just because of a title that I have or whatever. So I said to them, let's have Christmas together. And then we was like, but who's going to cook? And I was like, well, I ain't cooking. Yeah. Anyway, so then we called my, I called my nan. I was like, hey, nan, um, 
know, there's a few of us, you know, we're going to do Christmas together. Do you want to cook? And she was like, oh, fine. So we went to my nan's house. And I think that year there was about five or six of us that year. So we went to my nan's house. She cooked us all dinner. It was amazing. So much fun. We played Xbox. We watched EastEnders as well. A few of my mum came over. My cousins came over and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then the next year, there was like 12 of us. <laughs> so like the year after, we were like, hey, nanny, it's us again. We're coming. But this time, it was a lot of us. Um, yeah, so there was about 12 of us, which was cool. Um, so we had Christmas there again for the second year. And then just after Christmas, so one of the people who was with me, her name was Sally. Me and her, we was both working at City Hall at this time. And we went to a meeting at Tottenham Hotspurs. And there was a young man, he was probably about 17 or 18 years old. And I was, you know, telling him about the Christmas that we had just had and how amazing it was. It was so much fun. And he was like, oh, I wish someone would do that for me. And then me and Sally, like when we left, we both looked at each other and we were just like, we should make it happen. And she was like, yeah, we should. And then literally we were just like, no, we're going to do this for the young people who are care leaders who don't have family and stuff. Because he said he didn't have family. And so, yeah, so we sat down and we was like, what are we going to do? And the next thing I know, Sally called me. She's like, listen, we've got a meeting on this day and there's going to be 12 people there and we're going to make Christmas happen. And so I went to the meeting. Every person around the table just knew a million different people and had a million different ideas. It was just, yeah, the meeting was just amazing because everyone was so inspired. And, you know, I told them what we see the story about Topi and what had happened and everyone was literally just inspired. And we started it in September of 2012. And we made Christmas happen for the first time in December, which was awesome. Fantastic. So, yeah. So those people that was at the table literally just founded the project, really, because at the time it was just called something like Project X or something. <laughs> it was something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, then we just named it the Topi Project because obviously it was inspired by, you know, what had happened. And for us, the main thing was we was turning pain into positivity. And that's our slogan, which is pain into positivity, which is wow. awesome. So that's how the project was born. And that's, yeah, and it came alive. And I think it would never have happened without those people who sat around the table together. So I can't just be like, yeah, it was me, it was all me, because it really wasn't. Like, it takes definitely a massive team to make it happen. And I think the people that were around the table really made the difference to how the first Christmas went. So it was wicked. Wow. And so now do you get funding or? Um, no. So at the moment, we still just run by uh, people donating. So people donate every year. We went out on Channel 4 News, I think it was about two years ago. And so when we went out on Channel 4 News, we literally got influx of, of donations. Right. Um, ever since then, really, I think people have just spreaded the word and just we've just had, it's just been like a flow, really, of donating gifts and donating their time. And it's just been amazing. It's grown so much um, as a project. So I'm very proud. And yeah, that's fantastic. And would you say it kind of has an energy about it, like, you know, that it does flow and the synchronicities kind of people show up when it needs budget and it needs money or? Yeah, definitely. It definitely has a flow. Yeah, people just literally just <laughs> turn up out of thin air and just be like, I want to support you guys. I want to do this. Um, last year, I remember it was around, I think it was about maybe two weeks before Christmas. And we had something like a thousand pounds donated or something. And I called Jerome and I was like, Jerome, like, what are we going to do? We need to do some fundraising or something. Because the year before we had done a fundraising walk in it. And so, and we hadn't done it last year. So I was like, Jerome, what are we going to do? We haven't got any money. Like, how are we going to do Christmas? And literally, I promise you, within about an hour, I got an email and someone had donated £3,000 to the movie project. And we was just, I called Jerome, I said, Jerome, have you seen this? And he was like, what? I said, well, someone just donated three grand. And he's like, what? 
and we went on a Just Giving page and someone had donated three thousand pounds wow. and, and it and they did it anonymously, so we still don't know to this day who it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I truly believe, like we were saying before, that the universe has our back, especially when it's something that is positive and having a positive influence on the planet. Like, you know, the weird I've had experiences myself with the nonprofit that I run and just people show up or things just happen and you're like, how does that work? You know, it's crazy. And it's like, you're not expecting it at all because you just, you know, you're passionate about whatever it is you're passionate about. So you just go in along with your day and then something miraculous just happens. Like, oh, the blue is insane, but it's beautiful. Mm, yeah. So what would you say to someone out there who's maybe got an idea about, you know, maybe they've got a project that they want to set up. What advice would you have for them? I'll just say, go for it. Like, if that's what you truly want and you truly believe in it, just go for it. Because actually, we're always going to doubt ourselves in life. I think one thing that I've, I've been learning in terms of growth, I've been in this place where I'm like, I just want to be able to love everyone, no matter what they come with, no matter if they love me or not. You know, I've really been in this part of loving people. And again, one thing I discovered after about three months of being like, I need to love everyone. I was like, how about myself? How about loving myself and supporting myself? And I think all the time we, we, we're our biggest critics in terms of when we want to do things. And I think when we learn to love ourselves properly, then we become less of a critic and more of a supporter of ourselves. And so for me, I think my biggest advice is to, one, love yourself and support yourself um, because that's going to be the key to your success. And the other thing is just go for it, man, because if that's what you want, you, like we said, we've been saying the universe is going to line up for you. And you might wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I want to give up. I can't do this. But don't give up because actually, as soon as you say, oh, I'm going to give up, then the universe is like, okay, <laughs> do you get what I mean? And so actually, when you have the faith and you know what it is that you want and you're 100% certain and you know this is what I'm going to achieve. So it's not about just what you want, but it's you know that I'm going to achieve that. Just have that in your mind that I know I'm going to have it. I might not know how it's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know that's what I'm going to have. And if you have that kind of mindset and you don't give up and you're sure about what you want, you will definitely succeed because the universe will always, always line up things for you and make it happen. So, yeah. Mm, beautiful. Fantastic. And I'm really excited. You have to stay in touch with us and keep us posted about what it is that you end up doing because obviously now you've got your degree. Yeah, definitely. I will do. <laughs> the world is your oyster. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully we're you know trying to take the Topi project to America as well. So fingers crossed. Oh yeah. So so tell us a little bit about that. That somebody listening might be able to kind of you know the universe might have our back by someone listening. Exactly. Um, yeah. So obviously we started the Topi project here, and I think our support system in terms of our care system here is really horrendous. But a lot of the time, social workers from America they come over and they say your care system is amazing, and we're looking at them like, are you guys crazy? <laughs> In comparison to their system, our system works very well. Um, I think, so we are extremely lucky as young people that we have the system we do. And so when I was, one day I was sitting and I was thinking, you know, what can we do to make the Tope project bigger? And since the Tope project started, there's been about 15 other projects that have started across the UK. So Liverpool, Manchester, Scotland, all over um, the UK have started projects on Christmas Day for children, like children, um, care leavers, should I say, sorry. And so for me, it's like we don't really have to do any more in terms of the UK because actually the whole point of the project was to inspire other people to do it. And we've inspired other people. So every year, at least, you know, a thousand young people get Christmas, which is beautiful. And so I decided that I want to take it to America. I don't know where in America. It doesn't really matter. But I think 
you know, they could really do with our help. And especially now that the times are very testing, <laughs> to say the least, I think it's really important to just show love and spread what you're doing. And I think the only way it's ever going to go there is if one of us take it there. And so that's my goal for 2017 is wow. to have the project somewhere in America. It could be L.A., Miami, I don't care where it is, but I um, know that that's what's happening next year for us. Fantastic. So if anyone out there listening has got or is connected to the American care system and has uh, connections that Shalice can uh, capitalise on and bring the TOPE project over to help people in America, then again, please get in contact. Definitely, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Shalice. Um, yeah, really pleasure to have you on the show today. And hopefully your story, I know your story of both university and the Tote Project will inspire other people to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. I hope so too. Yeah. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website and become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.